welcome back to the Love University on the campus of Triad Christian Center with your host and instructor, Pastor Joshua Lockett. You have just enrolled in our brand new series entitled Game Changers, the Grace and Mercy Experience. Let's see. Father, I praise you. Father, I exalt you. Father, I lift you up. You are strength like no other. Even if you feel weak today, come on, declare he's your strength. He's your strength. He's your rock. Hallelujah, Lord. We declare you are our strength, Lord. We declare that we can find strength in you. Those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Father, I pray today that we are waiting on you. Hallelujah. We're resting in you, Lord. I pray even today that, Father, you are healing and you're delivering and you're setting us free from slumber, from slothfulness. You're setting us free from weariness today. And you're releasing a jolt of power. You're releasing a jolt of joy. Even today, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your glory is rising upon us, that in your presence we will find fullness of joy. Hallelujah. We will find fullness of joy, Father, all those that are watching on Facebook, YouTube, all those that are in the room, that your glory would so fill us up, your presence, your power would fill us up, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, give them praise. Come on, give them praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, right there in your homes. Let his presence fill your hearts. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey. is good all the time and I you know what let me say it like this I correct myself I was reading the scripture Jesus said I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give the world cannot give and not that they can't take it away if we let them take away I believe they can but he said the world the peace I give the world can't give God gives you a peace like no other you can't find it at Walmart <laughs> You can't find it at Belt. Amen. So I correct myself. I correct myself. But anyway, sit down, have a, take rest. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, people of God, never underestimate the presence of God. If you're watching today, you may not even be saved. Never underestimate the presence of God and what it can do in your life how it can rescue you from a, 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 term, a, a crazy mindset, a confused mindset, and bring you back to a place of stability. So I want to encourage you today, to, if you're watching today, to go into the presence of God in a deeper way in this season. Amen. With that being said, I want to welcome everybody um, to 
our service on today. If you're watching uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, thank you for watching on the website. Thank you for watching. If you're watching on Facebook, you're going to follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us today. Listen, if it's your first time watching, if you're a first-time guest, why don't you let us know that you're, you're watching with us today. If you are a returning member, you're going to put your name in the box as well and state where you're watching from, wherever you are. If you would help me out, Facebook and YouTube administrators, if you will put on the chat box, uh, the outline for today. We're going to talk about overcoming condemnation. Uh, just get right to that point. Amen. And we, we've been in a series called Game Changers. And um, you may have watched a basketball game, a football game, and you've seen where moments have come where the game has changed. It was like a turn of momentum. And all of a sudden, the team that was losing now is turning it around. And now they're in a place where they're looking like they're going to win. And maybe even they actually win. And I declare that grace and mercy, it is a game changer. We have called this series uh, the Game Changer Series, and the acronym for game is Grace and Mercy Exploration. And I believe when we truly explore grace and mercy, not just in Easter, not just on Easter, not just on Christmas days, but every single day of the year, when we position ourselves around the grace and mercy of God, it actually empowers us to go from one level to the next level. Every level of growth that you experience in your Christian walk will more than likely, it's a good chance it will come from the core of the gospel. Amen. And so if you're looking, if you find yourself stagnant in your Christian walk, then I want to encourage you to go back to the foundation of our faith, which is the cross, which is Jesus. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Before I do, I want to give it, I'm going to give it up for, for those of you that helped last week in the food outreach. Thank you for your help and your support. There is another one coming up, but we were able to bless families, amen, on this week. You are a part of being able to bless families on this week. And um, so with that being said, I want to get into the word. I want to jump into the word. And what I want to do is I want to start off by uh, giving you some scripture to give you some some boundaries for where I'm going today. And then also I want to give you some tendencies of being guilty or some some identification points of being guilty. Uh, and then I'm going to give you what I believe is our response sometimes when we feel guilty. And then I'm going to give you the three truths that help us to overcome condemnation. They're truths that you should remember from the word of God that will help you to overcome condemnation. Can I get an amen? Now, the word condemn or condemnation can mean guilt. Um, it can also mean that something is unfit for use. And I've used this example before that when you talk about a building being condemned, it means it's no longer in a place where it can be used. It's game over. Say game over. It's game over for that building and I would venture to say is probably the next step is that it will be destroyed. And you see in Hebrews 6 where the Bible gives us kind of an example, a figurative example of condemnation. And it says uh, that the field is fruitless. And so when we talk about condemnation, we mean that something is fruitless. It's, it's a good for nothing something. Amen. It's, it's, it's no matter how much seed is sown, that field cannot produce fruit. That is a condemned field. It's useless. Say it's useless. It's fruitless. And some of you have been called a good for nothing somebody. And the devil is a liar. You are good for something through Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? 
Some of you may have experienced that as you were growing up. Condemnation is really, when we talk about, you know, some people say, don't judge me. And, um, you know, it's amazing that people say that, but the, some of the people that say that may be the first ones that try to sue you in court. Can I get an amen? <laughs> because people like justice. They just don't like some justice. Amen. And, I, and, and it's amazing because sometimes justice works in your favor. If you win a lawsuit and you get millions, you're going to say, judge him all day long. Glory to God. You like judgment when it increases your bank account. Can I get an amen? You like judgment when it helps you to move forward in life. So when we talk about judgment, judgment is not a cuss word. Amen. And sometimes we say that don't judge. We say don't judge. Jesus said judge people unless you be judged. And then if you look at Paul, he says judge people in the church. Judgment is good. There's a whole book of judges. Come on now, y'all with me? We, we cannot forsake the justice of God. So judgment is something that I believe we should veer away from if we're doing the following, if we're condemning people. It's the judgment of condemnation that I believe is forbidden and that we should not do because we are none of us in this room are in a position to put anybody in a heaven or in a hell. Can I get an amen? So when you condemn people, that's like saying they're nothing more than a piece of trash ready to be thrown in the trash can. They're, you're saying that, they, that it's a dead end. You're speaking a dead end over their life. And that's not the type of judgment we should operate in because we are not in the authority to do so. Can I get an amen? So with that being said, when we come back from judging, Jesus says, you know, look at the fruit of a tree. You can tell whether or not a false prophet is a false prophet by looking at their fruit. Is that not judgment? Jesus tells us, so you have to, you know, when you look at the word judgment, you have to make, we have to make sure, and that's we have to make sure we're getting the right, you know, discernment and interpretation of that word. All right, so with that being said, we're moving along. So condemnation means guilt, it means useless, it means fruitless. And in Christ Jesus, we are no longer fruitless, useless, or we're no longer in a place where we are guilty. A lot of what I want to focus on today is the guilt part um, because there, there are different meanings of condemnation. But I want to focus on the guilt portion. You know, guilt, I believe, according to Psalms 34, I won't give you the scripture now. It's probably verse 8, somewhere around there. It talks about how guilt is a burden. In other words, it is a weight that we carry. And you know what's so amazing, and I'm going to try to take this very slow because this is going to, I'm going to give you a good amount of information today, and I'm going to get you out right before 2 o'clock. No, I'm messing it. Uh, but, you know, because this is game changer. I'm telling you all, this is game changer. The guilt is a burden. It is a weight. And some people even may call it a chip on their shoulder. You know, Jesus said, the burden I give you is light. My yoke is is easy. Anytime you have a burden on your shoulders that does not come from the Spirit of God, it can be anti-purpose. It can fight your purpose in the kingdom. And sometimes through pride, we choose to hold on to guilt because we're still trying to work it out in our own righteousness. Y'all ain't talking to me. And I'll show you how that may manifest. But guilt is a burden. Now, the Bible says, or it's a weight. The Bible says, it's talking about a race, which a race is a picture of a game. It says, it says, run this race with endurance. It says, tear off every weight that so easily trips you, especially the sin. 
Well, if guilt is a weight, then it's a chance that guilt can trip us up. Can I get amen? It can slow us down. It says, tear off every weight that's so easily what? What's another word for beset? Hinder, right? Can we just say it may also mean to trip us up? Have you ever heard the term guilt trip? See, I believe guilt can trip us up. The Bible says tear off every weight that so easily trips us. You know, and I'm saying this very slowly because I want you to hear what I'm saying. Some people harp over what people, the wrong people have done. In other words, it could be 2021, and they're still harping over what somebody did back in the 80s. That's when everybody had a jury curl. And they still bringing it up in the family reunions. How many know people like that? Don't point any fingers. But they in a family reunion talking in 2021, during a pandemic, talking about what happened when we used to have jury curls. Can I get an amen? Tell them, say, get free from that. Leave it in the 80s. Hallelujah. So what are they doing? They're harping over something that someone else did. But I believe we can do the same thing with ourselves. We can keep harping over what we have done wrong. And we can keep replaying it back over and over and over in our mind. Oh, when I did this for my child or I didn't do this for my child, it scarred them for the rest of their life. And it's all my fault. And you got parents potentially that are guilty because they feel like they were negligent or they didn't do like they should have. Or maybe you weren't saved yet or maybe you weren't following Jesus yet. Maybe you didn't know enough in the words yet and you did the best you can do, but you actually feel like you hurt your child. You scarred your child. And now maybe your child is not following the Lord. Now maybe your child is bitter with the church. Now maybe your child is bitter with the opposite sex. Now maybe your child, it could be, a, but you feel like you are the result and the reason for it. And you're sitting there carrying that burden of guilt. Can I get an amen? Parents, I believe, can be some of the most condemned people. You say, you're not a parent yet, but I can, I'm a pastor, and I know when you have responsibility over people's lives, you can feel very guilty for your mistakes. Amen. As a pastor, you, you, you affect people spiritually. I mean, you do it as a parent, too, but as a pastor, you have a bigger level, sometimes a greater level of influence. So the thing is, is that that guilt, whatever it's originating from, maybe it's the divorce that you got in or you separated and you feel guilty because now uh, people in your family are bitter with you for separating or maybe it's a bad business move you made that caused a lot of people to lose money and you're guilty because of the bad business move and you're, you're, you're guilt tripping. You're, you're, every time you want to go to step forward in prayer or in things of God, you keep being reminded of what you have done wrong and you're carrying that around. It is a burden. You know, burden can mean concern. It means it is consuming your mind. Everything you do is consumed and fueled by guilt. Now, let me tell you, guilt is a perverted form of fuel. You shouldn't, and let me say it again, guilt is a perverted form of fuel. You should never do things to try to get rid of your guilt or because of guilt. Because the Holy Spirit should be the only one leading us and empowering us. We should not preach the gospel out of guilt. We should not pray out of guilt. We should not fast out of guilt. Can I get an amen? We should fast, pray, and preach out of conviction. Can I get an amen? But not condemnation. It's a perverted form of fuel. But let me go back to the point that I was saying in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 says, tear off every weight. That so easily besets you. We'll use beset. Amen. And if trip is in there, 
maybe that'll come later on. But it's beset. He said, besets you. Here's the thing. It says, so that you can run this race with endurance. Right? The, re- the writer is trying to tell us, if you want to run with endurance, you've got to tear off every weight. We've already gone over that scripture. You probably read it a couple hundreds of times. But here's the point. If guilt is a weight, guilt can affect your spiritual endurance. Okay, so that means this. Jesus said, blessed are those, listen to scripture, Matthew, I think it's 24. He says, blessed are those who endure to the end, for they shall be saved. So if you don't have endurance as a believer, it's a good chance that even though you're saved right now, you won't be saved at the end because you have to have endurance to be saved. It's great that I'm saved in 2021, but what's more important is that when I breathe my last breath or when Jesus comes, I'm still saved. He said, blessed are those who endure to the end. So I'm going to show you how dangerous guilt is. If guilt is a weight or a burden that slows us down and affects our spiritual endurance, what will happen is if you are, let me tell you how poisonous, how toxic it is. If you hold on to guilt for too long, you will actually talk yourself potentially out of salvation. You will be guilted out of your salvation. You will be condemned out of a place of safety because you will lose spiritual endurance. Come on, can, I, can y'all hear me on today? So we got to get rid of it. It's the same thing with getting rid of sin. A lot of believers may say, well, I can hold on to my sin. Uh, uh, uh. See, sin, you may be still saved while sinning, but you say, well, you're trying to tell me if I sin right now and Jesus come back, I'm going to hell because I just made a mistake just right there on the spot with my heart. I'm not getting into all that. But what I will say is that for the long run, sin is a hindrance, and it will stop your endurance in Christ Jesus. And you may be saved and sinful right now, but that doesn't mean you'll be saved and sinful in the future. Can I get an amen? Because blessed are those who endure to the end, for they shall be saved. So when we talk about, we don't want to go on that much. We're getting rid of guilt today, so we don't want nobody feeling guilty. So, but let me go back to this side. Guilt is a weight. And how many people are so guilty, maybe people who battle with sexual orientation issues, maybe people who battle with abuse situations, they were abusers, they were in the quote-unquote big sins that everybody talks about and no one really talks about in the home, and it's it's the hush-hush sins. They were in those, so now they're so guilted, they don't come to church, they don't read their word, they don't pray. Every time they pray a prayer of salvation, here comes guilt, comes back in. They can't sleep at night. Now they're trying to drink it away. Now they're trying to, you know, fornicate it away. Y'all ain't talking to me today. Now they're trying to find some level of comfort because of the guilt that they have for murdering somebody. They weren't caught by the police, but they were sure caught by guilt. Amen. And even though they got away from the police, they did not get away from guilt. It was, it was Psalms 51, Psalms 51, where David is talking. I ain't even got my point, so i got to move. But I, I just want to set this up because I think sometimes you kind of say, well, it's not a big problem. No, it is a big problem. It's an issue. Guilt is a real issue that as believers, we have to get it dealt with. 
And I'm going to show you this. Look at what Psalms 51 says. I don't have this on your outline. They said, why you give me the outline? Trust me, I'm going to get to the points on the outline. Psalms 51, look at what it says right here. Psalms 51, verse, um, verse 2. It says, wash me clean from my guilt. This is David talking right after he committed adultery. He says, wash me clean from my guilt. He says, purify me from my sin. He says, verse 3, for I recognize my rebellion. And this is what it does. Y'all see that word right there in verse 3? What does it say? It haunts me. What do you think about when you hear about haunt? You think about Halloween, right? A haunted house. And some of us maybe have a haunted spiritual house. It, 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 my sin, every time I see that person, I remind, I'm reminded, I'm haunted by what I did to them. I'm haunted by my rebellion. I'm haunted by the fact that I keep telling the Lord I'll never do it again, and I keep doing it. David said it haunts me. See, I don't think, I don't always know if committing the sin is the worst thing. Sometimes the worst thing is the guilt you have to face after the sin. Enjoying our podcast? Well, we invite you to join us live Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Tune in on Facebook or YouTube by searching Triad Christian Center or visit our website, www.triadchristiancenter.org. It's not just that I did it again. It's that I got to get over this guilt all over again. I just, I just got to a place where I was guilt-free, and I was good. I'm righteousness. I'm the righteousness of Christ. All that stuff, great stuff. But then, all of a sudden, I do something else crazy and stupid. And I feel guilty all over again. And the same day I feel guilty all over again, somebody come and ask me for prayer. Y'all ain't talking real to me. The day you feel the most guilty, somebody say, you know what, I need prayer. And then don't let them ask for prayer in the same thing you feel guilty about. Y'all see how dangerous guilt is? Now, I do think that you need to get the beam out. We need to get the beam out of our eye before we deal with the speck in our brother's eye. I do think we need to do that for the record. But at the same time, I want you to see that that's how that thing can haunt you. Now, every time somebody asks for the ministry in the area you're weak in, you're, you're struggling. Because it's haunting you. They pray, They said, pray for, my, pray for me to be a better parent. You're like, I suck myself at parenting. <laughs> how, here it goes. How can I help you? And I believe God has us in places where we, all, where we sometimes have to deal with that and really have to rely on him for righteousness, not rely on ourselves. And that's why it's so important. Paul, I believe, is one of the greatest examples of that because every time he ministered to Christians, I know the devil probably put in his head, you know what, you used to persecute these people. How are you going to minister to them? They know your history. That's why your boy didn't even want to help him out. He said, no, I ain't going to help him. He was struggling with helping out Paul because he knew what his track record was. But yet God called him to the very people he used to persecute. Say amen. So 
I think that when we deal with this issue, we have to get rid of this because the pandemic doesn't help. We already stressed out some of us because of the pandemic. And then another stressor is the guilt we face because we did crazy stuff during the pandemic because we didn't, we couldn't deal with the stress. Maybe we overate or we did, we, <laughs> we start eating food we shouldn't have been eating or we, we got in arguments we shouldn't have been in or we, we start fighting like we shouldn't have been. Why? Because of the pressure of the pandemic. And now we're struggling with guilt on top of a pandemic. But who the Son sets free is free indeed. This series is, I believe, about one of the goals of this series is to get rid of condemnation and guilt. Because I believe believers are powerful when they know they're righteous in Christ. Not in their works, but in Christ. Because some days your works will be good and some days your works will be, can I get amen? Sometimes you're going to feel real spiritual. Sometimes you're going to feel so carnal. You're gonna feel, how many ever just felt carnal? You just felt dirty. You're trying to smile over it, but you still feel dirty. People in your job say, what's wrong with you? You, just, you can't tell. You feel dirty. The who the sun sets free is what? All right, let's go because I got to move. I'm going to zoom through the rest of this. So verse John 3, verse 19 through 20, it says, Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we should have actions to back up our salvation. So we will be confident when we stand before God. And this is what it says. Even if we feel, even if we feel guilty. Even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. So there is a difference, I believe, between feeling guilty and being guilty. My car, I used to have, maybe it's a car, I haven't got it. I've got a new car now, i got it get it worked on probably sometime. Probably need to get an oil change, but that light, that oil change light comes on. How many ever had an oil change light to come on? How many had, had ever tried to keep driving after the oil change light? Be honest. Don't feel guilty. How many ever pushed that oil change light to where it was on for about a month and you still were driving? Raise your hand. Just right, be honest. We're talking about being free from condemnation. You good. All right. So we realize that we've done that. Some of us may have done that. And all of you goody two-shoes <laughs> who get it fixed on the day of at the exact second, kudos to you. Way to go. You go get your oil change. Something happens, though. That oil change light should do what? should go off. How many know sometimes it doesn't go off? Right? So what do you have to do? you got to reset it. Now, is your, has your oil been changed? Are you good to go? But it's still showing you need an oil change. And so what do you have to do? You have to do what? What did they say? Reset it? Right. And that's the same thing we have to do with our minds. See, you, you, you could be, be free from guilt. You've already received the righteousness of Christ, but you still got to reset your mind. You got to be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your conscience has to be cleansed daily. If need be, you, you got to make sure that you're resetting your conscience, that you're resetting your mindset, your thinking patterns. And so I believe that's what the enemy does. He plays with our mind. And he says, you still need an oil change. I say, no, 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 no. Because 2,000 years ago, they stretched him wide. They hung him high. For me, he died. That's love. And that may be why Jesus, that may be, he didn't say that, but that may be why Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Take communion. Because sometimes we can forget. 
That's why the cross, I don't believe it's just for unbelievers. It's sent. The cross is for believers. This is a game changer, people of God. So what are some things that help to bring about guilt? What are some statements that we've probably heard? If we haven't heard, we may have said something like this or said it to ourselves. You know, we say things like, you know, I wish somebody might say, I wish maybe your parents, I wish you would have never been born. I mean, that hurts. Uh, I should have aborted you. That's pretty touchy. Uh, you are the biggest mistake of my life. How many people have told their family members that you are the biggest mistake of my life? I'm a, another one is, it's your fault. And you can fill in the blank for why it's your fault. It's your fault. Dad, mom, brother, sister died. How many battle with guilt because of somebody dying? And they feel like they should have taken care of them more, helped them out more. How many know that's a real guilt? You never do anything right. Why can't you just get it together? Another one may be is kind of an indirect one. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your friend? Why can't you be like your cousin? Why can't you be like that person's husband or that person's spouse? Well, because I'm not them. <laughs> Come on now, comparison can hurt. So we have to make sure that when we're hearing these things, these things that are in our spirit, that we're taking them to the cross. Because wherever you are in the guilt trip and overcoming condemnation, Jesus has paid it all. And he paid in full for our sins. And there is no condemnation, Romans 8 verse 1 says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I believe that if we don't get this dealt with, as I said, that guilt becomes a perverted form of fuel. And now we're living with a chip on our shoulder. And so now, if I can just get pretty enough, if I can just get beautiful enough, if I can just marry the right person, if I can just make enough money, it's amazing that sometimes some of the most polished people on the outside, you find out they may do some of the grimiest things. And sometimes, sometimes I believe just personally that we try to compensate for our weakness by focusing in on our strengths. And we try to look the par. Amen. We try to smile it away and be friendly with everybody and you know, and while we're being friendly with everybody else, potentially sometimes there may be abuse going on in the home. Amen. But for everyone else, we got to put on a facade and we got to make sure we look cute and pretty and handsome. And we got to, our car got to be just right and our makeup got to be just right. Say a chip. Say it's a game changer. Why do we do the things we do? Is it motivated by guilt?
like, and, and then it gets kind of weird. That it's like, wait a minute, this something's not right about your motivation. You kind of, it's great to be passionate, but you kind of, it seems like there's some type of perversion in your passion. You know why? Because it's a never-ending battle. We will never get to a place where we do enough right to feel right. Never. It can only come in fullness through the cross of Jesus. Can I get an amen? So, it may be some people that are struggling because they say and they find themselves saying that they would call someone more, they would hang out more with a person, and they never did it. They broke their commitment. They said that they would never leave a person, and they did. They said they would come to church more, and they didn't. They said they would pray more, and they didn't. It's great because New Year's resolutions are great, but New Year's resolutions, I believe, have some people feeling guilty after about the first month. Can I get an amen? About the first month, you don't, you just say, give me back my money. I don't want to go to that gym no more. After the first month, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you're just in a place where you feel guilty and because commitments are broken. But I want to encourage you, people of God, that you're not out of the game to God says you're out of the game. And you can get back in the game. Amen. And the devil might be trying to eject you from the game. But I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to keep on pressing in. You know, the devil is a sore loser. He's a poor loser. You know what a poor loser is? When I was little, and I and I probably, I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm totally delivered. I haven't tested it yet. But when I used to play video games and I used to lose, I hated that. And all for y'all goody two-shoes, you hate it too when you lose. Well, I don't, it's just, it's just a game. Let, lose a job, lose a, lose a position at your job and see if you're happy. Amen. You know you would, you'd be happy in Christ. Yeah, let me. So, when I lose, I get angry. I was start, ah! I would start, it was, it was the holy wrath of God. It was God's holy anger. That's why, I'll be honest, as a pastor, it's hard for me sometimes to play games with the, the, some of the people in the church. I'll be talking about the game, but when I come to church, you say, oh, you just, I like the win. I don't know about you, but I like the win. Now, there's probably some inner stuff that I need to get worked on, but I like to win. I like to say I beat you. And I remember years ago, we, we had a married and singles game, football game. And, brother, we I'm just going to tell you, for the record, we whooped the married people on that last game. I'm just saying, I shouldn't have brought that up. Just talk to Elder Hooker about it. Amen. I shouldn't have brought up a name. No, you know, he's, you know, don't worry about it. We, it's all love now, I guess. <laughs> um, I like to win. But the devil is a poor loser. He He's such a poor loser, I'll paraphrase for the sake of time. He goes up to heaven, and he starts accusing a man named Job. And he says, God, if you, you know, this man, the reason why he serves you is because of X, Y, and Z. He's accusing him. He, da, 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 da. And, and so God says, okay, go on and touch Job. Go on and touch him. Go on and touch him. So he says, actually he says, touch his life, but don't touch him first time. Second time, Job 2, the devil comes back up. He just, he got proved wrong. And God says, did you see my servant Job? Have you noticed him? That boy bad, ain't he off the chain? And, and, the, and the devil says, uh, yeah, he is. But the only reason, but I tell you this, skin for skin, if you, if you touch his physical health, then, then he'll curse you. He'll, he'll, he'll curse you. And God says, Okay, but that's not what, is that what he said the first time? Did he even bring up his health the first time? He probably did. Because I believe the devil had a problem realizing he lost. 
that he was wrong. So you know what he kept doing? He kept trying to poke holes. And I believe that same viciousness and persistence is going on today. The Bible says the devil accuses the brethren day and night. Now, why are you trying to accuse people that are already washed by the blood? But the devil is so, I believe, per, consistent and persistent and trying to accuse and condemn. I believe he, he won't stop for really anything until he's thrown into the lake of fire. So the Bible says, with the limited time that I have left, there are, some, there are three truths that I believe we should remember. Because the enemy, he's not going to stop saying that you're still a loser even though you're a winner. You remember the example I used where I talked about the oil change? You got to reset your mind. I believe the devil will play on that with you. He will tell you, you see, you still feel guilty, so you are guilty. And he'll keep accusing you because, remember, guilt is a burden. It's a weight, and it will wear you out. So I believe the enemy will play on that because he's an accuser of the brethren. I believe that's one of his main weapons. But when he comes to you with that, I want you to come back to him with these three truths I'm about to give you. You ready? The first truth you need to know about and you need to remember is that you have a mediator. Come on, fill in the blank. Say mediator. You, in other words, you have a lawyer. If you want to make it modern day, you have a lawyer in the courtroom of heaven. Amen. That is fighting on behalf of you. Amen. He is pleading your case. Look at what it says right here in Romans 8, verse 31 through 34. I believe this should be on your outline. Other things I didn't have, but this should be on your outline. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since, we did, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, say no one, but the devil is still trying, right? Because he's a poor loser. No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? And the Bible says, no one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. That's why it was important that he, wasn't, he didn't just die for our sins, but he was eventually raised to life. Look at what it says. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. He's doing what right now? He's pleading for us. Look at what it says in Hebrews 7, verse 22. Hebrews 7, verse 22. I've got three points, so I'm on point one. We're about to land the plane. Amen. Hebrews 7, verse 22. Look at what it says. It says, because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees, not us. Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once, we'll say once, and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives 
forever. Why does he live? To intercede with God on their behalf. Now, let me just say this to you. When we get to heaven, and I know people may feel I'm doctrinally wrong on this, but when we get to heaven, Jesus will not be glued to the right hand of the Father. He will not be glued to a seat where he will always be there. And if he is there, there he will be appearing other places because we know that Jesus said that he's going to actually prepare in a sense. He's going to be like a, a waiter for us when we sit down in his kingdom. So he can't be on the throne. I mean, are you with me? <laughs> so, we, so I say that to say this, that when we talk about intercession, it's not so much about his sitting literally in the right hand of the Father. It's the mere presence of Jesus that intercedes on behalf of us. It's the fact that where he is, we may be also. It's his presence that intercedes. Y'all not talking to me. It's his presence that pleads for us. His, you know, it's the same picture of Moses. When God told Moses, Moses, get away from me so that I can destroy the people. In other words, he said, Moses is a type of Jesus. He says, Moses, I need your presence to separate from mine in order to destroy the people. But Moses wouldn't move. Y'all ain't talking to me. And because Moses stayed there, his presence kept interceding on behalf of the people. And Jesus, for all eternity, as long as he's in heaven, we will never be destroyed. Why? Because his presence intercedes on our behalf. It's not just his words. It's not just his blood. It's the mere presence of Jesus that intercedes on our behalf. Say amen. He liveth. He lives forever. He lives forever to do what? Intercede with God on our behalf. Number two, the record is canceled. If you didn't know, the record has been canceled. The Bible says in Colossians 2, verse 14, that he counseled our record. But look at what it says right here, and I'll go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. It says, but this is the new covenant. How many know we're in a new covenant if you're a believer? I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying anything, saying, not anything, but saying you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. So that means that God, when he forgives in this particular case, he says, I will never again remember their sins. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, now some may say it's the old covenant, some may say it's the new covenant. He says, and will never think of them again. I believe not only can God forgive, but God can also forget. Number three, Christ rose from the dead. Three truths you should always remember is that, one, we have a mediator, a lawyer, Jesus. Number two, the record has been counseled. Number three, Jesus rose from the dead. And I put here, a guilty man would still be dead. If Jesus was guilty, he would still be dead. The Bible says the wages of sin 
is what? Death. So if there was any dead, the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Does Jesus have a guilty mindset? Why would a man who's never sinned have a guilty mindset? The closest thing he felt to guilt, if he ever felt guilt, was when he carried our guilt. But in this present moment, Jesus doesn't have one guilty thought. So when you say you have the mind of Christ and you're still feeling guilty, there's still an area that has to be changed. There's still an area that has to be renewed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit of God brings the mind of Christ. The Spirit of God will never make you feel guilty, will convict you, but will not make you feel guilty. I told you the difference between condemnation and conviction. If I didn't, I'm going to tell you now, condemnation just throws you in the trash and says it's all over with. That's what condemnation is. Conviction says, yes, you did wrong, and you shouldn't have done that, and you'll feel the pain, but it says, but you can change for the better. Amen. You can turn this thing around by my grace and by my help and by my strength. Can I get an amen? So the Holy Spirit leads us into conviction, not condemnation. So when we realize this, we realize that there truly is no condemnation for those who follow not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And that's the critical part. If we're doing this thing in the flesh, we've probably got plenty of condemnation to experience. But if we do it by the spirit and Christ Jesus, then we will walk free from condemnation. So if Jesus doesn't have a guilty mindset, then why do we? If Jesus is not guilty, then why do we still feel guilty? We can only be, as, if you're in Christ, you can only be as guilty as Christ is guilty. And guess what? Newsflash, he's not guilty. So for us to be guilty or feel guilty when we're in Christ means we've either stepped out of him or we don't understand what we have in him. So today, listen, people of God, Jesus is alive. He rose. He's got all power and authority in his hand. And look, there is no other bill to be paid for. The bill for sin has already been paid for. He's not paying it again. He's already paid it. And because of that, you can walk free. The Bible says in Colossians 2, don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let anyone. Now, you know, can I say this before we close? For clarity, sake of clarity. Consequences are different than condemnation. Adam and Eve, some may argue that they weren't forgiven, but I'm going to venture to say God forgave them, and then we'll see them in heaven. I know some of y'all still mad at them and you want to condemn them for what they did. But the Bible says God covered them with skins, which I believe is a picture of forgiveness. Forgiveness covers people. And this is what this is what I want to bring an emphasis to. Even though God covered them, he still cut them off from Eden. So the consequence, he still cursed them. So the consequences of their sin. Now, we're redeemed from the curse through Christ, but the consequences of their sin still were experienced even though God covered them. So what's my point? Some people have made some decisions that they're facing the consequences of those choices. And they may feel like, God, I'm still facing the consequences of my decisions. But that doesn't mean you're facing the condemnation of your choices. It's a difference. 
The condemnation says you're no good. You can never be saved now because of your choices. The consequences may be I have to pay, I have to pay this person back or I have to get more money over here because of my wrong financial decision or I might have to go back and regain trust because I broke trust. That doesn't mean you're condemned because you're trying to regain trust. It just means you're facing the consequences of your decisions. Your child is lost. They're wayward now. It's the consequences of your decision. But it doesn't mean you're condemned and you're no good. It's an attitude thing, people of God. So condemnation being removed doesn't mean consequences are going to be removed. There are still some consequences we have to make because of our choices. David, I believe he got it right. But guess what he still had to face? The consequences of a dead son. And we know he went to heaven because he said, you go to place. And so here's my point, people of God. We have to realize this, that even though we're free from condemnation, sometimes we still have to deal with the consequences. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. So for those of you that are listening today, you said, not only do I have consequences, but I still have condemnation hanging over my head. This is an opportunity for you to get that condemnation broken. This is an opportunity for your guilt to be removed. You know, the blood of animals only made them but so clean. But the blood of Jesus not only cleans you in a sense of ceremonially, but it cleans you in your conscience. One of the signs you're forgiven is you feel forgiven. And maybe some of us still feel guilty because we have not truly been forgiven. Listen, this is an opportunity to do so. Pray this prayer when we say, Jesus, I make you ruler of my life. I make you Lord of my life. I've done a lot of crazy stuff. I've made a lot of mistakes. But today, Jesus, I make you master and ruler over my life. I turn from my sins, and I turn to you. And I know you're just unable to forgive me. You're in the position to forgive me. And I know that you're able to forgive me from all unrighteousness today. Cleanse me from my sins. And I pray from this day forward, you will reset my conscience. You will reset my mind to think about myself as being righteous, not because of my good works, but because of the work you did on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. You were buried. You rose again, and I receive eternal life in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody say amen. Come on, say amen. If you're happy and you're excited about being forgiven and the record being canceled, come on, give a shout of praise if you know you had a past, but it's being canceled through the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you have canceled the record of our past because of the blood that you have shed. Hallelujah. So I just encourage you today to walk free. And I will be honest, you may have that little that little entity on your shoulder when you walk out saying, he don't believe what he said. You still did some crazy stuff. You, you, you know, you're going to always be guilty. I want you to remove the trash talker. That's what we talked about Tuesday night. Throw him out of the game. Amen. And I want you to walk free through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's humbling to realize you can't do anything for it, but just receive it by grace. That's how we receive grace, I believe, through humility. So with that being said, listen, we have a great opportunity to be able to give to the Lord on this last Sunday of April. We're already at our last Sunday of April. And listen, I'll encourage you to do so today. If the Lord has put on your heart to give, there are a couple ways you can give. You can text in your offering amount to 336-203-0708. Type in your dollar amount, or you can give by going to tryachristiancenter.org and then clicking on online giving. Um, you can also go and mail in your offering at 4321 Barrow, High Point, North Carolina. Amen. And for those of you that are here, when you walk out to your left, you will be able to give to the Lord. Listen, 
encourage everybody to join us again on Tuesday night. We're going to continue this series, Game Changer series. We're going to go further into the grace of God. We're going to go into the mercy of God eventually. We're probably going to take this over into May. I'm going to be honest. And so just be ready for that. God bless you. May God keep you. And may you walk in prosperity. I declare prosperity over you. I declare even now production over you. I declare God's grace financially over you. God's grace in every area of your life being released. In Jesus' name, prosperity over you in this month. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for attending the Love University at Triad Christian Center with your host and professor, Pastor Joshua Lockett. We pray that today's message encouraged you to love God, love yourself, and love others. If you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, congratulations, you have made the best decision of your life and we want to celebrate and connect with you text follow christ to 81411 are you over social distancing we have plenty of ways for you to connect and engage with our ministry online visit us on twitter and instagram at triad christian Facebook Triad Christian Center or on our website triadchristiancenter.org for more information. We look forward to connecting with you. If you would like to give to our ministry, you may do so by texting 336-203-0708 with any amount or visit our website triadchristiancenter.org slash online underscore giving. Lastly, you may send it by mail to 4321 Barrow Road, High Point, North Carolina, 27265, and make all checks payable to Triad Christian Center. Until next time, know that we love you. Be blessed and stay safe.